This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we sit down with first-year women's basketball head coach Allison Montgomery. Their season starts Friday. We also talk with our Bobcats of the week, men's cross-country runner Alan Summerall and women's cross-country runner Isabel Unger. We also take a look back at the 2015 Bates football season. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The Bates football team dropped their season finale to Hamilton by a final score of 14 to nothing on Saturday. The Bobcats played outstanding defense but could not get the offense going as they finished with 56 passing yards and 48 rushing yards. Bates finishes the 2015 season with a record of 2-6. and six. We caught up with head coach Mark Harriman on Monday to look back at the Hamilton game and look forward to 2016. Coach, a tough 14-0 loss to Hamilton on Saturday. Obviously, the offense struggled after putting up 31 points the week before. So, from your opinion, what was the biggest difference uh, this week compared to last week? You know, we didn't have uh, the execution that we had the week before. And, um, you know, if I had the answer to that, then I'd be making a lot of money doing something else. But, uh, you know, we just didn't play particularly well on that side of the ball. Moved the ball well early. Um Ended up missing a field goal in the first quarter and um, didn't do a whole lot after that. Um, so it was, you know, certainly disappointing. And you mentioned execution. How much of it was the Hamilton defense versus how much of it was on your guys' end, you think? Yeah, I, well, I, you know, they did a good job. I mean, we knew going in that they're, you know, they've played everybody tough this year. They're a, a hard-nosed group, and I thought they did a nice job with it. They didn't do anything that we didn't really expect, but they played, um, you know, very solid and, and uh, did a nice job with their execution. Now, your defense turned into a pretty good performance on Saturday, and that follows up a shutout against Bowden and then only nine points allowed against Colby. So how encouraged were you by the way the defense finished the season? I was very pleased. I mean, I, you know, that, that's been, again, understanding how young we were on that side of the ball to begin with, it, 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 certainly at the beginning of the season. And then through the course of the season, uh, the injuries were having to move people around. And, you know, that on Saturday we had four True, we had four freshmen on the field, um, so I, you know, again, I, I think they they really, as the season went on, really, really came together, and and um, you know, the, the experience is going to pay great dividends down the road. Yeah, and you look at the final record. I mean, two and six. So an outsider might look at that and say, "Oh, it's not a good year." But you guys, at the same time, were pretty much in almost every game, and so is that encouraging for you for the future? Yeah, I mean it's it's certainly disappointing for you know for the seniors uh, who are on their way out and and for everybody overall because our expectations are always higher than that. Um, you know, sitting back when you you have a chance to decompress a little bit, um, we we got a lot of guys on the field that we probably weren't on both sides of the football that we probably weren't. Um, anticipating at the beginning of the year so going into next season we certainly got a, a, a real solid group of guys coming back that um, have have decent amount of game experience and then for you personally obviously heading down to the off season what are some of your goals this off season what are you going to be focusing on um well it's recruiting 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 you know from here on out and and that takes up the majority of the time and we'll put a solid class together for next year and and then we'll you know we'll continue to 
as uh, they get our guys working in the off season and uh, as far as the players go and we'll as a staff we'll evaluate this season and you know as we always do and look at what we're doing on both sides of the ball and in the kicking game and you know come up with some adjustments and uh, try to take advantage of our personnel. And then what do you see as maybe the biggest key for the football program to kind of take that next step where they're consistently, you know, winning four or five, maybe even six games each year? Recruiting, recruiting, <laughs> recruiting. It always comes back to that. If my X's are better than your O's, most of the time we're going to win. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll, again, continue to work hard at that. And, and um, But as I said, I mean, our, you know, the, the work ethic that our guys showed throughout the course of the season and um, – Again, having having a, a small senior class that, that not taking anything away from those guys, but um, you know we we were a young team this year, and um, we're you know we, we'll have we'll have a, a very veteran group next season. All right, coach. Thanks so much. Thank you. Great news for the women's soccer program as head coach Kelsey Ross earned NESCAT Coach of the Year honors, while first year Olivia Amdor and junior Allison Hill earned second-team all-conference selections. Ross guided the Bobcats to their best record in league play since 2005 after turning in a mark of 4-3-3. As a result, Bates made its first NESCAC postseason appearance since 2010 and its second appearance in nine seasons. The Bobcats finished the season at 7-6-3 for their best winning percentage since 2006. Now it's time to talk to our Bobcats of the week. Our male Bobcat of the Week is senior men's cross-country runner Alan Summerall. He finished 8th at the NCAA Regionals this past Saturday and qualified for the NCAA Championships this upcoming weekend. Overall, the men's cross-country program finished 8th at the Regionals out of 55 teams. Alan Summerall, our male Bobcat of the Week. Finishing 8th place in the NCAA Regionals, that's a big jump from last year. Uh, what allowed all that improvement for you and then obviously qualifying for Nationals as well? Uh, yeah, yeah. I finished I, I finished eighth in the region. I was thirty fourth last year, um, which was a pretty significant jump. I remember last year I, I just barely managed to make it into the the, the all region group, which is the top thirty five. But this year, um, I was I yeah I jumped I think twenty six places uh, up to eighth place. I mean it was just like a one more year of training um, under my belt. Last year I was still uh, it was my second season of competitive running, and I had I'd had a couple injuries during the early part of the season. Um, but I, yeah, I've, I've had just hold, um, a whole another year of training, um, and I've been healthy since for, uh, about a year now, so haven't had any blips. Um, yeah, I think it was just, like, putting in the training, I was able to jump up from a year ago. How was the course on Saturday? It was, it was, a uh, it was a pretty good course. It was actually pretty windy. It's, like, right, right next to the ocean, actually. Um, there were, there were parts of the course where I could quite literally see the ocean, um, it's at Harkness State Park in southern Connecticut, which is it's basically around the grounds of this old mansion owned by someone associated with Standard Oil and the Rockefeller family, I guess. I, I had to look it up because I was, I was curious what it was. Um, but yeah, it's just like a uh, multiple loop course uh, that went around the grounds of this, this mansion. Um, yeah, it had grass and uh, some dirt roads and we had to cross some, some pavement and... Um, it was uh, mostly pretty flat though, which was which was nice. So, and then when did you know that you had qualified for nationals? Um, I I knew it pretty much immediately. Um, actually, probably even before the race was over, I kind of knew no matter what I'd be going just because the way the qualification um, process is set up, 
they take two automatic teams from every region, um, and I knew those, just based on how the season was going, I knew those those spots were almost certainly going to Williams and Amherst because they are, they've been pretty strong this season, and I, I knew who was in front of me in the race, and I knew it was three Williams runners and two Amherst runners, and then I also knew that um, there were usually um, that more than two teams would, would go to nationals from New England because they always take four or five, sometimes six, like they did this year. Um, so I knew that I had a pretty close lock on being one of the top seven individuals not on teams. And even in the middle of the race, I knew that Tufts was also probably going to be one of those teams that would go as well. And there were two Tufts runners in front of me. Um, so I just I knew I just had to keep going as hard as I could to try and um, make it into that group. Um, so I, I knew that I would, or at least I had a pretty good idea that I'd be going either way, but at that point I was just trying to make up as many uh, points as possible to help the team go as well. So, Pretty impressive you were able to have all those mental calculations going through your mind while running. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I probably made it sound a little bit <laughs> more developed than it was. Um, I mean, when you're running, it's, it's, it's pretty hard to have really, or when you're running that hard in like four, four and a half miles into an 8K uh, running five-minute pace, it's, it's, it's pretty hard to have lots of lucid thoughts. Um, so I think it was it was more things I had thought about before that were kind of reoccurring as I was as I was racing. I wasn't really developing a whole thought process. <laughs> yeah. Now, now the team finished eighth in the region, which is yeah. which is pretty good. But and then I, I guess just short of nationals. I mean, how overall w- was the team feeling after the race? Um, I think I think the team was a little disappointed because um, this this is a really strong program and we were a really strong team this year. Unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to show it later on in the races. I mean, we we knew what we were capable of. We showed it a little bit at State of Mains a few weeks ago, and we knew the kind of workouts we were running. We knew the kind of shape we were in. Um, so we we had hoped to be able to be one of the top five or six teams in the region. Um, we knew we could do it. We had beaten some of those teams before. It was just a matter of us doing it um, on the day, and, and unfortunately, um, it, it wasn't the best day for us. Um, but that's that's the way things go. So. And then you're going to nationals. I know cross country is very very much a team sport. You you know you run with each other and everything. But now you're going to be on your own going to Wisconsin. What's that going to be like? You think? I mean, it's 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 kind of weird, frankly, because I've I spent the whole past four or five months training with the team uh, going out on runs with the guys because the whole point is to qualify as a team and this is kind of like a consolation prize in a little way that I get to go on my own um it's it's great and I'm I'm, I'm really happy that I get to go on my own but I, I definitely wouldn't have preferred to go with the team so this is kind of like if I can't go with the team I guess I'm happy with this but it's it's a, a little kind of oddly isolating in the last last day or two it's just been a weird weird thing to get used to and these Williams and Amherst guys, I mean, is, are these guys you can probably possibly catch up to at the national level here? <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> I mean, there are definitely a couple of them that are that are um, on a different level than than I am. Um, I know the the winner at regionals. Um, he's a sophomore at Amherst named Muhammad Hussein. He is extremely talented. Um, I I was forty seconds behind him at NESCACs, but I was only. 18 or 19 seconds behind him this week um he'll probably be competing for the national title if not that he'll probably be top three or top five um so i mean i i i don't really expect to be able to um beat him this saturday at nationals if i if i did i would likely win the national championship (laughs) but um i mean hopefully i can i can close the gap down to 15 maybe 
18 seconds. I can keep it like I did last week. And there's a there's a runner at, at Williams. Um, his name's Bijan Mazahiri, who's also very very talented. And I don't I don't really expect to be able to catch him, but maybe I can close the gap down a little bit more. But all American status is very there for you, right? I would I would really really love that. Um, I would be. <laughs> Um, I mean, frankly, a bit surprised, um, just just based on um, how how new I am at this. But I would I would really like that, and I I, I know it's in my realm of possibility. Um, it's just it's just a matter of whether I can do it on Saturday. I know I would I'd have to run twenty four thirty twenty four forty on that course, and and just run a really really hard last two miles because on on that race there are. There are only 35 All-American spots, but there are probably 50 to 60 people that, that are capable of doing that on any one day, and it just comes down to who can run a harder last two miles. So it's it's going to hurt, but I'll I'll see what I can do. <laughs> yeah. What, if anything, do you know about this course in Wisconsin you're going to? I know very little. <laughs> um, uh, coach Fresh, uh, the cross-country coach, um, who's actually sitting right here, he, <laughs> he's been there before. Last time Nationals were there was at um, 20, 2011, I think. And uh, a Bates team ran there, so he's seen it and he knows how it is. And he's he's told me that it's a it's a pretty fast course. There aren't many sharp turns, and it's I guess pretty flat. It's on a golf course, I know that. And and golf course courses are pretty are pretty fast. And the Nationals courses every year are very very fast. Um, so how does that play for you? Um, I think it. I mean, I don't really know. Um, I. I'd, I'd like to think of plays to my strengths, but I'm I'm not sure. Um, I mean, the the one time or one or two times we we've run on fast courses this year were like the Bowden course where I ran well, but not as well as I had hoped. But then two weeks later at Nescax, we were on a hard course and I did well. So um, I know I can run on hard courses. Um, I'm not sure I I have the leg speed some of the guys do to really show my flat out top end speed on a flat course. Um, so. I mean, the the flat course will probably be a bit less painful just because then you don't have to run up and down hills, but no matter what, well, in exchange for going up and down hills, then it's just you're running faster, so. All right, we'll see what happens. We'll see, yeah. <laughs> Alan Summerall, our male Bobcat of the Week. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you very much. Our female Bobcat of the Week is senior women's cross-country runner Isabel Unger. Unger led the Bobcats to a 12th place finish out of 56 teams at the NCAA Regionals this past Saturday. She finished 53rd out of 390 runners. Isabel Unger, our female Bobcat of the Week. All right, coming off the top finisher for the Bobcats at the NCAA Regionals, first of all, you'd run on that course before, or you were familiar with it. Uh, how'd the race go for you, and what worked um, out for you there out there on the course? Um, so it was pretty much the opposite conditions that we had the first time that we ran. Um, the first time we ran it, it was really hot and sunny, um, and on Saturday it was pretty cold and about 40 mile an hour winds. Um, so we were kind of working with a completely different set of circumstances, um, but you know we kind of just think of it as one more thing that we need to work with, um, not trying to have negative thoughts about it. Um, we had a false start, so all 400 girls had to kind of restart the race because when people fall they restart if it's within a certain distance um, and so that was one more thing that we had to deal with um, and we definitely had a better start our first start um, but we kind of were just working up the whole race um, and we're pretty good at running as a pack um, and so that's kind of where our success comes from um, and we definitely worked with that during this race so yeah and talking to a lot of cross-country runners they emphasize the importance of running with that pack how does that help you as a team 
Um, it definitely helps because people obviously think of cross country as a very individual sport um, if you don't know that much about it. And for us, it kind of brings us along. So if you start to kind of fall off the back of the pack, we always kind of reach our hand back and we're like, let's go, come on, take the extra step. Because if you're running next to someone that you know that you do workouts with, um, you're more likely to have a successful race. You mentioned 40 mile per hour winds. Were those in your face or were they behind or how did that even work? Um, for the start of the race, they were coming from our back, um, but it was it's a giant circle that you kind of do two and a half times, um, so we kind of got a little bit of both. Um, but luckily, the finishing shoot, it was also coming towards our back, so that was, that was lucky. <laughs> and then for you personally, I mean, how happy were you with your performance? For me personally, um, it was a good performance. It was a tough race just because um, kind of starting out at the back of the race, it was working up through all those runners. Um, and so personally, um, it would have been nicer to get out faster just so you can kind of or be with the people that you're supposed to be with at the beginning of the race. But um, I think we ran a smart race. So. And I asked this to all our Bobcats of the week, but you're a senior. How did you end up deciding on Bates back in the day coming from Vermont? Um, coming from Vermont, Maine is a very similar place, cold, um, and so I um, visited a ton of NESCAC schools, um, and when I came here, my mom said that I felt the most at home, um, and so kind of that was an indicator for me, um, and just the community that you feel at Bates, even being a prospective student, is incredible, so that was definitely something that drew me in. Also, you're on the track team, indoor and outdoor, so indoor season coming up here, already started practices and everything, so how does cross country prepare you for the track season? Yeah, so um, cross country, um, my coach always says track actually prepares you for cross country, um, but I, I love track season. Indoor track is my favorite season, actually, um, because I get to be part of the DMR, which is a really amazing relay. Um, I love running with people, and in track, you don't really get to do that as much because you're doing individual events, um, whereas cross country, you're always running with your teammates, um, and so being on a relay kind of brings that team aspect back into it. Um, and so I guess just all the miles that you put in during cross country, um, really prepares you for the track season. So for listeners out there who may not be as familiar with track, DMR, if you could elaborate on what that is, how that works. Yeah, so the DMR is the distance medley relay. Um, it's only for indoor track. Um, the first leg is 1,200 meters. Um, the second leg is 400. The third is 800, and the fourth is a mile. So every leg is different. Um, so it kind of also allows the team to kind of be part of have kind of part of the sprinting group and part of the distance group, which is unique in track because usually kind of people stay to their events and don't really get to run with people that aren't training with them. So um, that definitely makes it fun. Um, and we try and go as far as we can in the season every year. So. And then what's your role in that DMR? Um, so I run the 1200s. So I run the first leg, which I like because I get to finish and then I get to watch everyone else run. Um, so yeah, it's really, it's an awesome event. And track must be fun because you do get to cheer on your teammates more so than maybe, I mean, cross country you're all running together, but in track you get to stand off to the side and really cheer them on like that, right? Yeah, that's definitely one of the best parts of track is that um, you could be running in your race alone for Bates, but then you get to watch every 59 other um, female athletes for track get to race, which is pretty awesome, and jump and throw. Um, so that's definitely a, a huge positive of track. Um, so, yeah. And then cross country obviously is over for this year and uh, you're a senior and so looking back on your cross country career, uh, what are some of your favorite memories? Let's see, oh boy, um, cross country is, is my favorite season. I actually didn't really run cross country in high school, I ran it only my senior year. Um, so I'm still pretty fresh. A lot of people have been running cross country since before they can remember. Um, so I guess just being 
um, with the team is an amazing thing. It's a pretty uh, small, close-knit team because you go for these long runs. You get to know everyone so well. Um, you know, you spend hours with someone like a freshman that you didn't know at all and now you're best friends. So I think I'm definitely going to miss those long runs, getting to know everyone. All right, Isabel Unger, our female Bobcat of the Week. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Now it's time for our featured interview of the week. First-year Bates women's basketball head coach Allison Montgomery. She starred at Bowdoin on the basketball court, started her coaching career with the Polar Bears as an assistant for three seasons before joining the Naval Academy as an assistant coach for four seasons. Now she is a Bobcat, and her first season as a head coach begins Friday at Maine Farmington at 7 o'clock. Allison Montgomery previews the 2015-2016 Bates women's basketball season. Allison, your first year as the head coach here at Bates, first year as a head coach anywhere, uh, coming from the Naval Academy, first of all, how'd you learn about the opening here at Bates? How did it all uh, happen for you to come here? Sure. Um, well, you know, obviously I'm really familiar with the NESCAC. I um, played at Bowdoin, coached at Bowdoin. I'm also a native Mainer, um, so I'm really familiar, even more familiar with, um, you know, the schools here in the state. Um, so I also have a lot of really close friends who coach in this league um, and who coach sort of locally in New England at Division Three schools. So I think I actually first heard about the opening um, from my good friend who's the head coach at Bowdoin, Adrian Scheibels, who also in just this whole web of being a small world is a Bates grad. Um, so she, she kind of let me know of the opening. Um, she, you know, obviously knew about you know, me, me being really interested in looking for a head coaching job um, and really wanted to get back to this level. The NESCAC um, is an awesome conference and, and, you know, ideally where I wanted to land. Um, and like I already mentioned, being a Maine native, um, was really excited to get back to my home state as well. So she kind of, she's the one who made me first aware of the opening. Um, and, you know, for all those reasons I mentioned, I was really interested in, in going for it. So you're obviously familiar with Bates, having played for the arch rival, the Polar Bears, uh, back in the day, and a lot of success with them both as a player and as an assistant coach. Mm -hmm. And then Division One job, though, so you, you really want to go, you know, D one back to D three. Type take us through why that was, I guess. Yeah, I, I actually loved my Division One experience. I think it um, prepared me uh, in a lot of different ways for you know this role as a head coach. Um, and, you know, I, initially I, you know, in my experience as an assistant at Bowdoin and even as a player, I kind of thought I'm a D3 girl through and through, um, didn't really ever imagine myself at the Division One level, um, but it was a wonderful experience um, for a lot of reasons, just, you know, the experience I had recruiting, um, you know, just getting to sort of travel <laughs> a ton, both, um, you know, as a coaching the team and as a recruiter. Um, so, I mean, my experience there, like I said, I think prepared me in ways that, you know, other sort of level jobs couldn't have. But um, I think just, no, you know, I, I knew I wanted to pursue a head coach opportunity, but I really, really believe in the balance um, of a Division three job, sort of um, coaching student athletes who are able to have a really balanced experience. And, you know, like I've already mentioned, I think the NESCAC is – sort of a dream for any student athlete um, who, you know, they can really um, be committed to multiple things um, as students and athletes and sort of whatever else they want to pursue in college. So, um, I, again, I love my Division One experience, but um, I knew sort of just in my heart, this is what I, what I value, this kind of experience, yeah. And then recruiting challenges, because 
you were at the Naval Academy, which has its own set of recruiting challenges unique to Division One, and then now the NESCAC has recruiting challenges as well. So what? Are, how do you compare those? Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, I think recruiting is just one of the hardest things about being a coach. It's every single school that you could possibly work for has its own recruiting challenges. So I think you just have to kind of find your niche. You have to sort of be realistic, I think, as a coach, too, and know that you're always there's always going to be kids who it's not a fit for them, that they're going to say no. Um, you know, we had that at Navy where you'd call a kid up and say, what do you think about the military? And they would say, absolutely not. And you would say, okay, and you would move on. Um, so, I mean, you know, you have that at Bates for whatever reason it is, you know, whether you're recruiting against other schools in the NESCAC, um, which is really, really common in this conference, um, or whether it's, you know, kids who say, I absolutely don't want to come to Maine to go to school or whatever it is, there's just different challenges. Um, so I think just, yeah, Navy definitely forced me as a recruiter to become really creative. Um, I think there, you know, we really had to cast a, a wide net, um, but also just be really sort of in tune with, um, the type of kids who are who were interested in that sort of challenge and that sort of experience and so I think you know there's an art to that too finding um, kids who are you know sort of NESCAC kids um, but also I think here at Bates I'm really interested to try to find a niche for Bates um, where we're looking at kids maybe who aren't looking at five other NESCAC schools um, really really competitive conference in athletics in general but women's basketball for sure um, so, you know, no matter what, we're going to be going head-to-head with um, other schools in the NESCAC. We just I had my first heartbreaking experience already of losing a kid I really liked to my alma mater. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I know that's going to be a part of the job, um, but I would also love, like I said, to create a niche where I'm introducing people to the NESCAC, not sort of um, just battling with other NESCAC schools. Is it a little surreal to be a Bowdoin alum? And now being the head coach at Bates? I've gotten that question a lot. Actually, I can't even explain how natural it feels <laughs> to be here. Um, you know, I've always loved Bates. It's kind of funny in the NESCAC and probably in any conference, but when you ask people, you know, who's your most hated rival? And it's really funny when I asked our players here, they, without even blinking or breathing, they all just shouted Bowdoin. Um, but <laughs> I never felt that way as, as a student athlete. I mean, I... I, I would have said it maybe in an endearing way because three of my four years as a student athlete, we played Bates in the in the championship. Um, I just kind of spoke about this. We had an alumni event this past weekend um, where a lot of alum were back, alum that I played against or some that were just, you know, from previous years who had always battled with Bowdoin. And I always had so much respect for Bates because I just think of it as such a gritty, classy, um, just kind of blue-collar place. Um you know, in terms of how their identity in the NESCAC, I guess. So I've always had a ton of a ton of respect for Bates, and also really kind of identified with the style. I think it I think it's kind of similar to the type of style I had as a player. Um, so I think we're always kind of drawn to that. You know, something that that sort of speaks to us about about who we are and our own styles. But um, I really, it, it's funny. It feels really natural to be at Bates, and I think part of it is. You know, coming here and looking at this job, everyone talked about, oh, the community at Bates is so great. And I thought, yeah, yeah, it's cliche, like D3, NESCAC, you're in Maine. How more community could it get? Um, And that is a big reason, you know, why I wanted to come back to this sort of environment. But since being here, um, it is... It is so, so true. I'm, I'm really learning what people are kind of talking, speaking about about Bates. I mean, 
um, so many of the people that I've met here, um, you know, whether it's just the community athletic department or the greater community, I feel like I've known people here for years and I've been here for three months. You know, I think that's a really nice measure of, of a community feel in terms of people really pulling for each other. And um, so that has, I think, also really helped in making me feel at home and not making the, you know, the transition from, from my Bowdoin background to Bates feel, feel strange. It, it doesn't at all. You mentioned the Bowdoin coaches at Bates alone. Did yeah. she give you any advice on taking uh, when you took this job about what it takes to win here? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, she's a good friend of mine. I, you know, I had my first coaching job under her too, so I learned a lot from her um, in that during that experience. But absolutely, I kind of leaned on her a ton um, when I was making the decision about you know whether to apply, whether to you know accept the job, because um, she obviously has really good insight just into the league and sort of into um, you know just like you said what it takes to sort of be successful in this league. So. Absolutely. And, you know, it's been funny so far. We've had a lot of conversations about, I think we're both pretty competitive people, um, but also are really good friends. So it's, it's been kind of fun walking that line. And, you know, when, like I mentioned, that recruit that um, decided to tend boat in, I had to sort of grip my teeth and right away say, Congrats on getting that kid, Adrian. Really happy for you. So, um, you know, it's, it, but it's really fun, though. That's awesome. That's, that's, you know, those are the rivalries that, that um, I love. And um, I think also, you know, she's someone who really values sort of the balanced experience of, of what being in the NESCAC is all about. So, Bates women's basketball has had a lot of success. You mentioned it in the past. You played against them in the NESCAC yeah. championship game and whatnot multiple times. Last couple of years have been sort of down years for the program, though. You're coming in fresh. What's your initial impressions of the team you inherited here? Yeah, I think um, I'm really excited about this group. They've been working so hard. On these, I mean, it's kind of crazy. We've only been together for a couple of weeks on the court. Uh, but they've been working really hard. I think we have some talented kids, some kids who are really invested, um, who have a lot of pride for, you know, Bates women's basketball and do want to get it back um, to where to where it's been in the past. I think, you know, they've had a tough couple of years of um, being being plagued with some tough injuries, I think. They lost a pretty key player last year to injury. Um, so I think we have some really nice pieces. Um, and like I said, some kids who are who really um, are committed to kind of making some changes to to get back there. Um, and like I've already mentioned, I mean, the, the league is tough. Um, so so I think, you know, we've talked a lot about kind of what it takes to just to compete, um, you know, and, and get back into that sort of top tier of the NESCAC. Who are some specific players fans should watch out for this season? Yeah, I think um, all of them, of course, Aaron. <laughs> we have 16 players on right. our roster. You never know who the secret sniper might be day to day. Um, but we have – we're actually a really young team. Um, we're kind of – we have one senior in Chelsea Nason who's had a lot of experience. Um, she's a really, really nice, tall, athletic um, guard post kind of player. So she has some really nice versatility um, and really nice ability to shoot the ball. Um, so she'll, she's a good leader for us. And then we have two juniors. So those those three upperclassmen are our captains. Two juniors, um, Ali Capola, who's a really tough rebounding machine um, in the paint and really nice leader as well. And then Bernadette Connors is our other junior who is kind of a um, – she can do a little bit of everything. She's a really tough guard who can kind of post up. She can be a really tough matchup, I think, on the perimeter because she can post up, she can rebound, um, she can shoot the ball, and she's really good off the dribble. So – um, I think I think she's gonna she's gonna be tough this year. Um, 
our starting point guard, um, Jackie Welch, she's a she's a local kid. She played at Macaulay down in Portland, so comes from a really nice um, winning program, really nice culture there, um, and I think has a good grip on kind of what it takes to to be successful. Um, she had she was out um, with some sickness last year for for a lot of the year, but um, has just been really tough and showed some really nice court leadership um, at the point. So. We're really excited about her. And then uh, rounding on our starting five right now is Nina Davenport, who um, transferred from UMaine last year, sort of partway through the year. Um, and she also, I think, a theme of some of our players that has some really nice versatility. Um, she's going to play at the post for us, but has a lot of guard-like skills, really confident shooter. Um, so um, I think she'll be she'll be really tough too. So that's kind of that's who we're looking to start here in our first and our opening weekend next weekend and we have a scrimmage tonight so um those are some key kids and we have i really like um a freshman point guard um who comes from she played at duxbury in mass and they they have a really winning tradition as well um and she's shown some nice leadership at the point um so far in practice excited about her um Emily Friedland, Friedland is a is a guard um, who got some minutes last year, also from Massachusetts, who um, has some really nice energy, really um, quick kind of defensive player. So those are some kids that I'm excited about. All right, excellent. And then obviously you had a ton of success as a player. You were, I think, national runner-up one season at Bowdoin. <laughs> and so, I mean, these players have yet to, you know, maybe make the NCAA tournament. So anything you say to them about kind of specifically what it takes to kind of, you know, be that successful? Uh, well, Aaron, I had, I had some really, really great teammates. About <laughs> I got really lucky. I kind of walked in there at the right time. But, yeah, I think in my, it's kind of nuts to think about. I think in my college career I lost eight games, um, which, I mean, who has that experience? You know, I'm, I'm really, really lucky that, you know, I had those teammates and an awesome coach. And, and also the landscape of the NESCAC was a little bit different um, at that time. You know, like we already talked about, it was Bates and Bowden pretty much every year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to think I have some good insight into just um, sort of beyond the basketball X's and O's, just kind of what it takes to, to develop a team culture that can lend itself to that sort of success. Um, and I think we have spent a good amount of time so far this season, in the preseason and, and this season, just um, addressing that, um, building some culture. I think especially, um, not to be too cliche, but among women, that can be a really a really important part of a successful culture um, on a team. So yeah, I, I, again, I'd like to thank my experience at Bowdoin and also at the Naval Academy, um, where we had some, some really nice success. That was, that was just a huge piece that you can't really separate from, from the winning, um, you know, just aside from, from some X's and O's stuff. So, you know, the X's and O's, this is your first head coaching job. So you get to dictate the style you're going to bring to the table. What kind of style can we expect offensively, defensively from the team? Yeah. What I'm, what I'm hoping for and what we've really been really been focusing on is I, I'd really like to develop um, a, a disciplined style on both ends. Um, you know, Bates is a real, I think in my experience, and of course I've, I've watched a lot of sort of what their style was the past couple of years and, you know, really up-tempo. Um, they played pretty, pretty freely, which I think um, is awesome in a lot of ways, but, you know, you win by it, you lose by it. So I think, you know, both on the offensive and defensive end, we've been really focused on being a more disciplined team, um, being a little more controlled offensively. Um, 
it is, I think, so hard to work with a team and define what the difference between a good shot and a not so good shot for a team. So we've been working hard on doing that. And that is a process. Um, and we have a lot of really talented offensive players, um, which is really nice um, when we have a lot of options. But I think just discerning for a team, you know, what, what a good shot is um, can be a challenge. And that's what we're working on. And, and I think also balancing that with um, I think we have a real ability to be a transition team to run on teams um, and get some good, easy looks um, in that way. But again, that's also sort of working to define what those good looks are and when you need to be more disciplined and, and controlled. So, First game is this Friday. How excited are you? So excited. So excited. So we did have one scrimmage and we have another. Um, it's, it was really interesting just that first scrimmage. There's some, some rule changes this year in the game which are so different going to four, four 10-minute quarters um, and you know now the, I can't believe the one and one free throw is no longer a part of basketball. <laughs> but um, going to two shot two shot fouls on the fifth foul of each quarter. Um, so and there's a couple other couple other rule changes as well. But you know just the four ten minute quarters is definitely different. Um, so yeah, that'll be that'll be interesting just to see kind of how that affects the pace of the game and and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, I could not be more excited to get the season going. Um, it's, you know, like I said, only having two weeks with the team can seem a little bit crazy, but at the, on the same hand, um, you know, we're excited to just get out there and put our product out on the floor and kind of kind of see how it goes. So, Yeah, the free throw changes are interesting because yeah. I've seen so many college basketball games decided by those one-and-ones, but no more. No more. <laughs> I know. Or I know that I love the, the mental toughness of having to <laughs> knock down a one-and-one, -one and some of my favorite um, drills in practice involve a one-and-one, -one, which – we're not going to practice it if we don't do it in games. So um, still, you know, there still can be, you know, pressure situations, obviously, with a two-shot foul. But it does – I think it is different. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see just kind of how much that impacts the game. But All right, and I bet you can't wait to play Bowdoin this year, right? <laughs> Woo! Can't wait, Aaron. Counting down the days. Um, they're pretty talented, yeah. which is exciting. Um, but always, you know, a good a good rivalry, a fun rivalry. And the, the fun thing about um, – this year is we play them back-to-back -back Saturdays. So um, I was joking with Adrian, like, can't wait for that week swing where we play you on a Saturday and we see you again next Saturday. But um, I know that there was kind of some scheduling issues with when to get that game in. But, yeah, we start off um, – it's our first game back from break, I think January 2nd. Um, and our last game before that is, like, December 11th. So, um, yeah, that'll be, a, that'll, be, that'll be fun. That'll be really fun, yeah. All right, looking forward to it. Thanks so much. Thanks, Aaron. Next time on the Bates Bobcast, we'll wrap up a busy upcoming weekend for the men's and women's squash programs as they get their seasons underway. We'll also take a look at the swimming program and tell you how Alan Summerall did at Nationals for Men's Cross Country. Make sure you check out athletics.bates.edu for all the latest Bates news and information. We'll talk to you again in a week here on the Bates Bobcast. Thanks. <laughs>